Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. And then somebody was like, you have to hit LB. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know what LB is. Welcome to the Xbox Game Passengers Podcast. I am your host, Derek Cranervelt, and this is usually the show where each episode, myself and a guest will dissect and discuss a single game that's available on Microsoft's Game Pass service, which is chosen for us completely at random. But just like yesterday, we are in Seattle, and we are here at PAX West, and we've been playing a lot of different games, and we would like to talk about them. So if you are here for the random reviews on random games with a different guest each week, uh, you will just have to come back on Wednesday when myself and my good friend Mike will be discussing Gears of War Ultimate Edition just a couple days before Gears of War 5 comes out uh, today. I am back with Michaela, who has been down at PAX West with me, and she's been playing more games than I have, uh, which is pretty awesome. And uh, wow, my voice is still in and out. And uh, how are you today, Michaela? I'm good. I have a voice, so that is helpful and positive. <laughs> and I played a lot of games today, so I got a lot to say. What did you say today? Weird. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna just pretend bit... <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> it's a little bit later than it was last night, so uh, bear with us. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Why don't we just jump right into it? Um, if you want to hear about all the stuff we played yesterday, jump back one episode. There are there's there was a pack special yesterday, pack special today, and sometime in the next week you should see a kind of another special with just a bunch of five to ten minute interviews that we held with a bunch of the different developers showing off games down at PAX West. Uh, and be sure to head to geekscape.net for more info. Yeah, Michaela, how was your morning? It was good. It was. It felt less pressured than it did yesterday. I'm not really sure why. I feel like you played more stuff, so that's weird. Yeah, I played more stuff, but I had less stuff um, scheduled. Okay. I like played more random things that I just happened to stumble across, which is kind of a nice way to do it. It takes the pressure off a little bit. I had a couple of unexpected interviews with people. PAX is just such a great atmosphere for being able to um, interact with people and and get to talk to people who are literally creating their passion projects sure. and getting to show them to the world, sometimes for the first time. Yep. And we have the honor of being able to talk to people about mm-hmm. this this baby that they've created and are so proud of and excited about. So, you know, whether a game is my style of game or not, it's exciting to be mm-hmm. around that energy. I, I Just to add to that, I feel like I was 
today at one point you were in an, you were in an appointment playing game and I was kind of wandering around and, and just kind of taking something, just kind of watching kind of everything that was happening. And it was kind of a moment where, you know, I feel like every once in a while you get kind of burnt out on games and it was like watching, I don't know, watch, just kind of watching this excitement and watching this celebration of, you know, everything gaming is kind of refreshing and it kind of, I don't know, I, not, I'm not in a spot where I'm feeling burnt out right now, but it was kind of this like video games are amazing. Like, you right? know, just being up on this floor and seeing just how vastly different every, you know, one booth to the next or, or two games that are on the opposite side of the same booth. Like they are just so different. And it's like, I don't know. I, I think it's that it's something that like other forms of media, like it's like another level almost. Yeah. It's this magical merging of art and uh, like, like visual art and music and, uh, interactivity and narrative stories. It's like all of the things that we love to consume sure. all in one. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy to me that video games get written off by a lot of people, less so now than back when we were kids. But, you know, uh, it seems like it's taken a long time for video games to be taken seriously as the art form that they are. Sure. And I'm really happy that we're coming to a place where they are and they're accepted and they're celebrated by totally. so many people. Yeah, totally. Like, Cause it really is just so many things in one and so many different kinds of things for so many different mm-hmm. kinds of people. Um, yeah. It just is lovely to be around that energy. Totally. Yeah. I feel that yeah. it's, uh, I don't know. It's a cool place to be. I, I keep saying it and I probably will keep saying it, but and PAX, you I think PAX is like, I go to conventions all over the place from Vancouver to San Diego to Emerald city in Seattle. And there's probably other ones in there too that I can't think of right now, but uh, I don't know. PAX is like a different beast and, and it's a lot of fun. And it's, if you're into video games, even moderately, like sometimes I would say you're not super into a lot of different games, totally, yeah. you kind of come in and out and, and play certain things and are not into other things. And even seeing just how amazed you are by mm-hmm. all of the, like you're a fairly casual gamer, I would say. And seeing the, the, just like the, the energy you're putting into it and the, um, just awe that's in your eyes at times when you walk by like a certain booth, it's really, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. let's stop gushing about okay. PAX though. Video <laughs> games are great. PAX is awesome. Yay. Uh, so this morning we got there, uh, media was allowed in, I think a half hour before the show floor opened. Uh, so we were able to get in on, you can either get in line to do a big experience that you probably won't have time to stand in line for three hours in the day. Or for me, I was able to just sneak into a couple uh, games that didn't have lineups at all and had a bunch of space and it was just really easy to do. Um, So the other day we walked past, I guess just yesterday, because that's our first day. Uh, We walked past uh, at the end of the day, this like, roller derby rink thing that's like set up as a prop at the Ubisoft booth and I was like how did I miss this how did I not know that this was here it's huge how did I not know this game existed and so I decided that this morning I would head over and check it out uh, and that was the first thing on my list and so I went over there and it's for a game called Roller Champions uh, that <laughs> 
I didn't really know. I literally had never heard it, didn't read anything about it, and just walked into this game because I thought it looked like a cool setup. Um, and so it was like banks of computers um, with, or not computers, monitors with um, Xbox controllers, I want to say. No. Yes. Controllers of some sort. Controllers of some I think it was Xbox because I was embarrassed because I should have known where all the buttons were and what they were labeled as. And then I didn't. <laughs> um, but it turns out that you are on a team of three, or at least that's how they set it up today. And you're playing against another team of three. So there were six of us in total live standing beside each other playing in this game together. And it's like a roller derby uh, track and there's a ball and the goal is to for your team to have the ball and go around the rink as many times as you can. Um, and each time you go around, you gain like you increase your possible score for when you throw the ball through this like goal right. hoop thing. And so it was is super that the official fun. term goal hoop thing. Yeah. Isn't you've right. never heard that term before? Right. Yeah, that's the fish. Uh, so, anyways, I am a super awkward. Think of myself as a non gamer. Rolled up and <laughs> immediately was like, "Oh God, what have I done?" Because I didn't realize I would have to play with people. I didn't realize people would be relying on me. I didn't know what all the buttons were called. <laughs> And so it actually ended up being really fun, and my team did not resent me, which was great. We all had headsets on, so we could, like, talk to each other in the headsets, even though we were right beside each other, and that was really helpful. And there was lots of, like, tackling the other team and uh, stealing the ball back and forth. And I actually managed to grab the ball a few times, but I was not able to get it in the right spot at the right time. Wrong hole. (laughs) Wrong hole. (laughs) No hole, actually. Just... It's tough. Yeah, it's a tough time. Um, Yeah, anyways, uh, it was really fun. And I would love to play it with a group of friends after I've had a chance. Or I would imagine that you can play, like, against um, AI, right? Like... I'm not sure. As far as I know, the game, uh, it was just announced fairly recently, like at the end of May. Yeah. Uh, and is in an alpha stage right now for PC. Oh, okay. So I'm sure it'll come elsewhere, but I think that the game is still very much in development. Mm. Um, but yeah, they had a kind of a, it was definitely a cool setup for yeah. it. Um, I would love to check it out as well because it looked like, I don't know, like, a, I, I feel like roller derby feels or sounds like something that would lend itself well to a video game. And I don't know that it's something that's really been done before. Yeah. Um, so it seemed like a cool, an original idea for totally. a game. And it was like, it felt really simple. It was really simple. The matches were pretty fast. Sure. It kind of reminded me of like Rocket League. Yep. Um, just with the feel and the pace and that kind right. of thing. And like, you're kind of ridiculously going all over sure. the place and your skates light up with sparks when you go fast and okay, stuff like cool. that. And it felt hard, which uh, Rocket League is really hard for me. Um, but it felt like it was hard because I didn't quite, I'm just not that 
reactive in right. gaming. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure with time, as I got used to the controls, it would get better. Like literally at one point I had the ball and I was into the headset like, oh fuck, what do I do? I don't know how to let go of the ball. Somebody else take the ball from me. <laughs> and then ended up going around until I got to the side hoop goal thing and tried to throw it in. Somebody yelled at me what button to throw it into the sure. hoop. I missed Somehow managed to pick it up again, went around again, tried again, missed. And then somebody was like, you have to hit LB. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't know what LB is. Uh, And then finally figured out that it was the left bumper, went around again. And as I'm getting there, somebody's like, you can aim. (laughs) And I was like, okay. And then I tried to aim and still missed. But luckily, somebody else from my team grabbed it and we went around again. And because we had gone around so many times, we got like a bajillion points and ended up winning the game. So you're welcome, team. (laughs) That's pretty cool. You had fun with it, though. Yeah, it was really good. Would you play more of it? Oh, I totally would. Like, I really hope that we get it and then can, like, have friends. Like, I don't know if it'll be couch co-op or far away co-op, whatever you call that. (laughs) Far away (laughs) co-op. But either way, I hope that. Not on the couch co-op. Not on the couch, maybe on a kitchen chair. Yeah. Um, I hope that we can get it and I can play against cool. other that people. Cool, sounds sick. That was Roller Champions. Yeah. Cool. And then after that, I quickly went over. I was kind of just wandering aimlessly. I didn't have anything at that time. Sounds like my life. <laughs> Me too. Um, and then I went over to some and walked past something called um, Hitchhiker. And I had actually looked at this game before we came down and thought about maybe interviewing them and going over there. Um, but hadn't been able to arrange it and so i walked past and there was a spot open to be able to play and uh it was really neat it was like this you you're a person you're a dude in a car as a passenger and you're the hitchhiker and you've been picked up by this guy who's a farmer Mm. and you're like driving down this road through all these um like there's just like wheat fields or something all around you. And then every once in a while you'll see a billboard and the billboard is like, don't trust strange drivers. And so it's like, Good lesson, right. It's like a super kind of, uh, it feels kind of mundane and like, you know, you're just chatting about, he's like a raisin farmer. So you're chatting about raisins and you're chatting about the weather or whatever. Is he a raisin farmer or a grape farmer? Well, he makes and sells raisins. Mm. So I'm going to say that he's a raisin farmer, even though they come from grapes. But then he says things like, you can't trust that reality's real. And you know how I know that? Because grapes are great and raisins are great, but they don't taste great together. And they're the same thing. And you're like, okay, something is odd. Something is happening. And then at one point you open the glove box and you find a picture of you... And somebody else that you don't know in mm-hmm. the glove box. Okay. And it's like, what is happening? Like, there's all these, I don't know. It's just an interesting buildup of, like, you're slightly more uncomfortable mm-hmm. slowly over this, like, 20-minute period. Um, and then it, like you he, there's this like riddle hour on the radio and he turns on the radio at that time and then it's like interacting with you sure kind of similar to like firewatch how you make that relationship with right. the person in the tower yeah. or wherever she is this person over the radio is talking to you 
Um, so yeah, it was interesting, totally different vibe. Like I went from rolling around this rink and like yelling at teammates and being yelled at and like trying to go as fast as I can to like sitting back in a car and like mm. choosing through what do you call when you like, have, are you making dialogue choices and stuff like you're that? making or, dialogue okay, yeah. choices and that's pretty much all you're doing. Sure. There's like four things that you can interact with in the car okay and then you can choose your dialogue mm-hmm. and that's it yeah um and i feel like i played that that kind of game very much like my right. actual person where yeah. often i will just choose whatever feels like the safest choice sure. and i wonder if that kind of molds my gaming experience to to be drastically different yeah probably it's I don't know. It's interesting, which is funny because the whole point of playing a game is to be in a different experience than your real right. life. But I'm like, oh, I don't want to offend this guy who's driving me in this, <laughs> this virtual real car, person. right? Yeah. I'm like, oh, he's offering me raisins. What if there's drugs in those raisins? I don't want to eat those raisins. But then, oh, my God, am I going to offend him? Like, what do I do? It's a real connect. That is. Their, their booth was very interesting. It was a company called Versus Evil. Um, and it's not a publisher that I'm really familiar with, but they had, they were showing off about five games at their booth. Uh, and uh, of the five, like, it seems like they're all kind of going multi-platform, but of the five, three or four of them were actually advertised for Apple's upcoming arcade service as well, which I thought was neat because we really, aside from the time that they announced it, they haven't really talked about it. They haven't shown it off. It's a, it's a it's a service that I'm very interested in just being on the mobile side of games. Mm-hmm. You know, it's basically like an Xbox game pass, but for mobile games and that syncs back to your Apple TV or your Mac or whatever. Uh, they had one that I spent some time with as did you called card apocalypse, uh, which is a single player. Uh, I'm not sure if there's a multiplayer component, but mostly single player story based card battling experience essentially. And it's got very kind of unique kind of cutesy, uh, almost like flash game style, uh, like art style. And, uh, you play as this kid. I don't remember his name. Interestingly enough, he's like bound to a wheelchair, which I feel like you don't see a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of protagonists in video games or a lot of characters in video games that are bound to a wheelchair. And his character had nothing to do with the fact that they were in a wheelchair. No, they didn't talk about it at all. It yeah. was just like that, that just was, was just, just him, another yeah. person. Yeah. So it was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and the game in the game, you're, you're like elementary school kids and you're at a, in a school and, and some kid has gone missing and you are trying to get the information as to somebody might know where he's gone. Uh, but everyone in the school plays this card game and it's very Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, you know, trading card game like, and you can't, they're all like, it's called like battle pets or something like weird like that. And all of the minions or characters that you're putting out have like kind of funny names and they all look like real animals. And some of them have like special moves, but it's very, very standard, like trading card game. Like every character has, you know, health and the amount of attack that they do. And there's a mana cost, which is actually pet food. And every turn you get, you get one additional pet food to put out a stronger pet. Uh, and there's, uh, you know, things like you, you summoning sickness, you can't fight with the character on the same turn that you play it unless it's got charge and some characters are defenders. And so, you know, you have to attack the defenders and, and you can't attack anything else unless the enemy doesn't have any defenders out. Um, 
um, you know, there's trap cards, kind of like what Yu-Gi-Oh would have. So cards that I will place face down. So you know there's something there. You know there's something that could be nefarious for you, but it, it has a certain essentially trigger that activates it. Um, yeah, it was it was cool. It's like very weird, very cutesy. I, you know, one of my favorite games probably of all time was a Neo Geo Pocket color game from the late 90s called Card Fighters Clash. And it was like this SNK versus Capcom single player story based. You're building decks, you're fighting with these characters, but you're, you know, you're, you're going through a storyline while it's happening. And I feel like for the last 20 years, I've been trying to emulate that game and. Did this come Not close? emulate that game, but emulate the feeling of that game. I don't know if it came close, but there's it, it's a standout in that I I've played a number of other digital card games since then. There's not a lot of single player ones, and when there are, I feel like they don't have a story or the story is whatever. And a lot of the you know I probably played for twenty to thirty minutes, I would say, and you know you go through a tutorial and you you learn a lot of the mechanics and you go through a few battles and all that sort of thing, and. I don't know. I was having fun. I was like, I, I would love to play more of this. Um, I really liked that this game, like, I feel like I'm kind of touch and go with um, those trading card type sure. games. Um, often it feels like there's a lot of lore around them and a lot of like, and because I didn't grow up playing these, it's like, I have to learn it every time for the first time. And I don't understand some of the concepts. And so even though they're very similar, I'm still having trouble like understanding how mana works or, you know, what it means when you have the card face down over there and it affects this thing. And then you have to take into account the other person's stuff and who you can attack first. Like it just feels like there's always all these rules and I'm having to learn them every single time. And then there's all this stuff that you just know because you know it from playing a different type of trading card game. One, that being said, I feel like this game felt very simple in the way sure. that it explained it. Mm-hmm. The tutorial was very straightforward. It was. Um, I think if, especially if you had been, or if we had been at home and I was playing it on my own, on my own time right. frame, then I probably would have had more time to sort mm-hmm. of soak it in. Um, but I think that having, like, oftentimes it'll be like, oh, there's the backstory to these card games is like wizards and dragons and monsters and, uh, mm-hmm. and this was like, you know, elementary school kids who want to find their lost friend. And it was just so cute and accessible. And, and I it, really liked the story. And it was funny because it. it's like, they're talking about how it's been banned. So it's kind of like an underground thing. And it's totally. like, I totally remember being in elementary school and like two months after Pokemon cards came out, it's like, Oh, that shit is out of here. Like, too distracting like it's very it felt very very real world in that element of it yeah uh, one thing i was gonna say because you talk about struggling with mechanics for these games sometimes i think a single player game Helps like that, that is the perfect game for that because yeah. you're not you don't feel like someone's waiting for you like you can take all the time you need totally uh well but, and you don't feel like often when we play those games right. together you 
know and you understand it just inherently. And so there's been plenty of times when I've accused you of either cheating or lying or withholding information because I just don't know and understand it in the same way that Mm -hmm. you do from the start. Mm -hmm. And so I don't get, I don't get that with this type of thing. You know, like it's it's up to me to be responsible, to be able to play against this computer. And it's going to, you know, because it's, you know, it's a video game. It's going to follow, you know, it's going to start out easy and, yeah. and increase in difficulty as you go on. And you always know what you're doing and you can kind of like, you can replay sections if you need to. Uh, I really like in, you know, games like magic or whatever, there are so many abilities or effects that the cards can have. And if you're just staring at the physical card, you might not memorize what those are. And in a game like this, it's like you just hover over the character and it or the card and it zooms in and, you know, it's got charge. It's going to pop up a description of what charge does so that you're never confused. Uh, All of that sort of stuff, I think, really lends itself to somebody that might not be super comfortable in this. Um, But yeah, we like I played it for probably like half an hour. It was super and you know it looks super unique it seemed like a, a fun time uh the story i definitely want to get more into the card mechanics seems solid uh there's I, I don't know there really wasn't anything to not like about it it's yeah. it seemed sick and i can't wait to jump into it and uh, i i think it's slated for 2020 uh, i might be wrong there but i think it was 2020 and it was like pc and uh ps4 xbox one i believe switch but also it was advertised for apple arcade and you know a game like this we were playing on a computer so we were playing with a mouse and keyboard a game like this i think lends itself perfectly perfectly to a touch enabled display because a lot of the time you're clicking and dragging cards on totally. the battlefield or whatever and but uh, it felt totally good on the computer oh it felt totally fine yeah. yeah i just feel like the like a touch display is the best way to play a game like that mm-hmm. but yeah that was card apocalypse it's it's super cool and it was a game that I, you know, it, we just kind of wandered across and it, you know, absolutely grabbed our attention. So it's definitely worth looking into, I would say. Mm-hmm. I agree. What did you, what else? You played something before you got to Cardpocalypse. I did. Yes. What was yeah. The first thing I started out with, uh, I, the yesterday, the Borderlands demo, I, you know, it comes out in like a week. So I don't know how important it is, but, uh, I had to ditch out of the demo a bit early. Uh, so I wanted to play that again. And I, and I played as the siren character, uh, whose name I don't remember, but I believe she's a new class for this game. And, uh, she got some pretty cool moves. She can kind of, you know, they, of course you built up these like special moves, which I had totally forgotten about and I didn't equip one yesterday when we were playing, but it's like a meter that builds and you can use, you know, send out these bigger attacks that you have some control over because you're choosing what it does and, and you know, what kind of effects you want as you're leveling up and as you're building the character. Uh, it was like a 20 minute demo. I don't know. I feel like it's, it's really fun. I've not, I got into Borderlands 2 a bit years ago and we played Borderlands 2 a couple of times. It was always something that I thought was really fun, but it was hard to stick with because, you know, it's it's a series that I think is not really interesting if you're playing by yourself, but if you're playing with friends, it's like the one one of the most fun video games that's around essentially. And it, you know, it was super fun playing uh, with you guys in the past and the, the fact that they've changed up the way leveling works. So it's more adaptable mm. regardless of the level that you're at. I'm, I'm super interested in this one. And I feel like I wasn't really until seeing it here and being able to play it here. And then 
once you kind of jump into it and feel those controls and, and the game just controls so tightly and looks phenomenal, it was hard not to be super interested in it at that point. So, um, yeah, that's what I played first. Uh, following that, I jumped to a game that I hadn't heard of before getting a, a press release for it uh, last week or so. Um, it was upstairs in the Daedalic booth, which is a name that I very much struggle to pronounce, uh, <laughs> as you'll hear in my developer interview next week. But uh, it was a game called The Suicide of Rachel Foster. Uh, description wise, it was talking, it, you know, it's a exploration based single player narrative game, basically a walking simulator, which is probably, you know, a lot of people hate on them. I think it's one of my favorite, uh, favorite genres just because of the way that, you know, you learn the story as you go along and a lot of the atmospheres and the environments are just so cool and so unique. And, you know, at talking to Max, who was the uh, representative at the booth, you know, basically it was like, Oh, have you played games like Life is Strange? Or, or Firewatch, or what remains of Edith Finch. It's like, yeah, those are like my favorite three games of all time. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I've played them once or twice. Uh, so, so in this game, you play as it's set in 1993, and you play as a char- character named Nicole. Um, her parents have recently passed away and her parents used to run a hotel or they own a hotel in rural Montana and you're driving up to the, they've passed away. The hotel's been sold. You're driving up to kind of clean up and finish up a few things. You haven't been there in about 10 years. sounds like you and your mom have left uh, about 10 years ago after some, something happened. Uh, you know, maybe it was the suicide of somebody named Rachel Foster. I don't know. Oh. That's just a guess at this point, but you kind of get there and you get trapped there because there's a storm, a blizzard, a blizzard happens. And so you're kind of trapped in this hotel, very kind of shining. Like at times it seems like, uh, there's no supernatural elements, but they said it can be, you know, it's very atmospheric. It's a big old building. There's rattling windows and, and floor creaky floors. And they kind of talk about the, the character kind of gets into her own head at certain points. Um, and you're just kind of going around and you're exploring through, uh, you know, reading documents in the environment and all that sort of thing does kind of have a man in the watchtower element like firewatch as well in that at some point you find a very early cell phone. So this is this big giant blocky phone and you end up getting basically a direct line to the groundskeeper of the uh, hotel who knows a lot about it. And he's been there for a very long time and um, you know, might not be telling you all that there is to tell about the area and what it's been through and all that sort of thing. So um it, it was, I don't know, it was right up my alley and, and it's, uh, I, I believe it's set for next year as well. It's set for PS4, for PC and for Xbox One. And it was, it's just one of those games where I feel like, you know, they talked about, it's very dark subject matter and they talked about wanting that to be, you know, we don't like, like we, tell that sort of thing. We tell that sort of stories in a lot of other media and in movies and television. And, and it's something that like is important. And, you know, I don't think it's directly about the suit. Well, maybe it is It's literally the title, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they said that they're not shying away from this mature subject matter in any case. But uh, from what I played, it was, you know, I was walking around and, and the atmosphere, the environment, the art direction and the design, it was all great. And I can't wait to play more of that one. Yeah. I, I'm kind of jelly that you got to go do that one. I remember seeing it somewhere before we got here. Um, and just like the description of it, I was like, Ooh, that sounds, <laughs> that sounds right up our alley. Yeah. But, um, I'm glad one of us got to go see sure. it. And I'm sure that at some point we will own it. So I yeah. will get to play it someday. Um, my turn. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so the next thing that I played was a game that I cannot pronounce. Um, but the beauty of it is it's a made up Italian word. And so it's meant to be able to kind of pronounce however you want to pronounce it because there is no right way because it's not real. Right. And I think the way that he was pronouncing it was mutazione. Uh, and. <laughs> That's awkward. I feel awkward, but that... You're pretty awkward. Uh, yeah. It's all right, though. It's my baseline, yeah. so it's to be expected. Um, so this is a game that is about... It takes place on um, an abandoned island where uh, 80 years before, there was like a meteor or something that hit it and caused all of these deaths. So most of the people on the island have died, and the people who didn't die, um, obviously it's 80 years later now, but there's been mutations of the people that live there. Do you mean mutaciones? Oh, wow. Uh, that's exactly what I meant. Well, Say it again. No. <laughs> um, so then the main character who you're playing as is taking, starts out by taking a boat to the island so she can go take care of her grandpa who is sick um, on this island. And, and maybe dying. Although there seems to be hints at maybe they'll be able to save him. Um, and so the whole story takes place over eight days. And it's kind of like, it felt like super chill vibes to me. It's kind of like a soap opera lost type situation where you meet all these characters and then you slowly delve deeper into they all have relationships and, you know, people are sad and people are happy and people are stressed out. And then you learned out, you learn why and you, you learn learn about, you know, people's interactions with each other and da da da. Um, but it's done kind of, it seems like each character or each of the main characters, you will have one specific day that's kind of dedicated to them where you learn more about that character and you have more interactions with that character. And with a name like Mutacion, a eh? <laughs> Man, um, I think it. you kind of just have to embrace it. Yeah. Like you can just pronounce it however you want. So just do it. Sure. Just do it. Um, anyways, so it, like when I'm talking about it, it sounds like it should be like eerie and creepy and gross. But actually, like the mutations are like this. This woman is mutated to be kind of like a cat woman, and so she's like very like sleek and and. Um, smooth in her movements mm -hmm. and stuff um and it's all like cartoon cute drawings sure. with um you know bright yet muted colors and um i don't know it just feels very it felt like very chill and the soundscape is beautiful um it creates this wonderful atmosphere. I love how in this one, I really noticed that like the layering of the drawing. And so um, like at one point you're walking and I noticed that the background is like moving behind you as it would have to, but the different layers are kind of shifting, um, which seemed really interesting to me. And it's, it's kind of something that happens and you don't notice it usually, but I, for some reason noticed it in this sure. game. 
Um, or like when it was raining, the, I love rain and drawing art, like video games though. <laughs> it's just beautiful. Um, and this one was also beautiful when it was raining. Um, and, but one of the really cool things about this game that I have not seen anywhere else is they will, uh, part of the mechanic is you need to plant seeds. So you're like kind of gardening, you have different gardens and you gather seeds throughout the world that you're in. And then, um, you plant them and you want to plant certain plants together because as you plant them, they, grow and they grow with music. And so as you plant different things, they are associated with different musical instruments. So there's a flute and a cello and a clarinet. And Mm -hmm. um, I don't know anything about music, but the way that it was being described was there's like majors and minors and things are harmonizing together. And so as you're planting, you're this kind of soft, uh, melody is forming oh, cool. and the more plants you add to it, the more instruments are added to right. this melody. And then you can play or sing. I think it's playing a song to the garden to encourage it to grow. And that causes the garden to grow. And as the garden grows, the melody becomes fuller and louder and more a part of the atmosphere. Right. It was just so interesting. Sure. And then, um, so the day that I was in, you're interacting with Mew, this like cat woman, and she's very melancholy and it's a sad day for her. And so as you go through the game, you'll find out why this day is sadder for her. And again, you have like choices in the dialogue that you choose to interact with her. Um, And it was described as you'll have the same beginning and the same ending and you can have different middles depending on what choices you make. And so she is having this melancholy. And so you can plant these melancholy flowers. And at some (laughs) point you find out what her favorite flower is and it falls into the melancholy category of musical sounds. And then, so you plant all these different melancholy type of plants including the one that is her favorite flower um, and you make it grow and then you pick that flower, I think, and give it to her. Um, And then, you know, the next day comes and you progress. And by the end of the eight days, that's kind of like the ending of the story. Sure. Um, But it was just so interesting. I just never heard of it. And you could tell that this person whose name I'm forgetting right now. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Um, They're just so passionate about, what they're doing like so interested in the music and um totally are nerding out on how much they love music and then they get to do make this game that is so centered around it and i wished that i had more knowledge about music so that i could really appreciate what was happening but even without having that knowledge i could really appreciate what was happening it was just so neat it was so beautiful um, and then there's all these like bugs and birds and animals that are like flying around and they're cute and they're weird and colorful. And it was just a really neat atmosphere type of situation. Totally. That sounds cool. Yeah. So if you can, uh, get your hand on mutazione, uh, I, is that I out already it. or, uh, no, not yet. Okay. And if you listen to the podcast that we put out in the next week, where we do all our developer interviews, you will have all the details on that. Sweet. 
definitely yeah. look out for that in yeah. the coming week. I think it's like, I think it'll come out sometime in the next, in like either the next few months or early next year. Okay. I can't remember That's specifically. Cool. So while you were out doing that, I went to Funktronic Labs. What is uh, that? It's a game company. Okay. They publish things like Toe Jam and Earl. Okay, yeah. And all that good stuff. But they are currently showing off a game. Actually, I met up with Carlos Lopez, who uh, is a longtime pal of Geekscape. And he used to actually uh, be a guest host on the Geekscape Games podcast. So it was nice to reconnect with him. Uh, And I was playing. He showed me a a cool new game called Wave Break, which is this like, it's like a, they they call it a skate boating game. Uh, it's kind of, it's very, very, very much an homage to Tony Hawk, but also very different at the same time. Uh, you are kind of like a cute little animal in a boat, but that boat can do tricks like uh, Tony Hawk style and the controls are almost identical. So, uh, you know, like the X button will jump and the square button does flip tricks and it seems like the circle button does grab tricks and you can grind with triangle and there's like a kind of a manual type thing and uh, there's things to grind off of. And, and all that sort of thing. And it controls very, very, very well. Uh, it was, it was super fun. And it's got this like, we like eighties synth wave soundtrack and this like kind of similar visual style. Uh, there's a bunch of different levels planned. They're showing two different levels, uh, at the convention today. One of them, very traditional beach E environment. And then one is a like covered in ice. And so the ice level apparently is better for grinding. Uh, they basically, he, he could kind of explain that they uh, introduce kind of these new elements through these new levels. And, and so it's, it kind of eases you into things in that regard. Uh, And there is, there's, it seems like there's a lot to do in this game. You can, um, you earn currency and can customize your character and the way they look and uh, their stats and all that sort of thing. Just like in the old Tony Hawk games, there's a full on campaign mode that has essentially each level, you know, has a list of 10 objectives, which, you know, feels just like the old Tony Hawk's game, Tony Hawk games. Uh, it was a lot of fun. There's a, there's a multiplayer component as well. Uh, up to four player split screen, up to four player online, uh, up to four player, four player split screen online. Like there's so many options. And within those, they, they, they were showing off like score attack modes. So whoever can, you know, get the best score in this time period. Uh, but also like a completely different and not Tony Hawk like at all. Um, basically like a death match mode. And in this death match mode, you are, uh, essentially everyone has weapons and the tricks that you do turn into currency, which you can spend on better weapons which are uh just laid out about around the level so if you run over it the the weapon and you have enough uh currency then you can buy the weapon and and it might be a stronger weapon because it costs more money type thing and in this mode it's just time based and you uh essentially the winner is the person at the end of the round that has the most kills but as you're doing tricks and stuff your this basically slow motion meter also uh also increases also fills and you can use it to slow down time and shoot the people better and uh take them down more easily so it was i don't know it was like like i felt immediately comfortable with it just because mechanic wise it does feel so, like such an homage to tony hawk um carlos in in our chat uh which again you'll hear sometime in the next week uh he said that a bunch of the like play testers for the original tony hawk games uh they came by the booth because they heard there was this you know hey if you love tony hawk like you need to check this out and apparently they were very impressed with it said it was a lot of fun and i can't imagine that there is like a better you know you know like nothing 
is going to make you feel as good as people that worked on making Tony Hawk. What Tony Hawk was, uh, you know, the series that just, just, just had its 20 year anniversary a couple of days ago. People that worked on this telling you that it was great. So it was a lot of fun. It's coming out next year for PC to start and it will be coming to consoles later. Uh, it was, it was really cool. Really visually interesting. Uh, it feels very different that, and, and I, the, you know, he said that there's more multiplayer modes and stuff planned as well. They plan to support it with new content after launch. Uh, couldn't detail how many levels or anything there are at this point, but he said there, there are a number of them in the works. And I ha- immediately fell in love with it and I can't wait to play some more of it. So that was a wave break and it was really sick. I feel like I would really like to try that game at some point too. I don't know if I'll get a chance tomorrow, but again, that's one that I'm sure we'll end up owning and I will have the opportunity. <laughs> Just every game. Pretty we'll much. Just yeah. every game. Yeah. 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 Everyone was fun. And yeah, it was, uh, uh, I played like a single player mode against AI, but, but one of the stations at the booth, uh, it was, uh, like a multiplayer station. So they had two people facing off at e- uh, with each other in, I believe the deathmatch mode, which again, like feels super, it's super different. And it was uh, super fun. And the game immediately controls so well that it's like, I don't know, it kind of is almost like a, a twisted metal type mode, which I, I think we need more games like because twisted metal has not existed in a very long time. Uh, yeah, it was cool. It was that, that I, you know, I was expecting kind of the mechanics to feel like they did and, and hoping for something like the campaign mode, like they showed off, but this multiplayer mode was like nothing I would have ever imagined for it. And it was far more fun than I, uh, imagined it would be when it was described to me. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. It was I'm sick. glad you got so much joy out of something that was being presented to you by a friend. Cause otherwise that would have been really awkward. <laughs> that, that, that would have been a bit awkward. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So, uh, sorry, <laughs> I had a blank there. So you were, playing that yeah and i can't remember if it was shortly before that or shortly after but uh the next game that i was playing was spirit fair which um i was interested in because it is a game focused on um the journey of guiding people or guiding spirits after people have died on to you know the great beyond or the sure. afterlife or whatever it may be sure um and that felt really interesting to me because it's a topic that we don't talk about and we don't think about and uh we don't really honor in our society it's kind of taboo and i know that lots of games will touch on death or death is a big part of games but often it's not in like a spiritual way at all it's you know you're killing people to win or whatever it may be um Anyway, so that's why I was drawn to it. But the reason that I fell in love with Spirit Fair is because it is basically Stardew Valley on a boat. And also you're doing the spirit journey thing too. So you're farming and stuff then? Yeah. So what are you farming? The premise is that um, you're like the ferry operator and you're new to it. And so you are ferrying people down the river towards their um, afterlife. Sure. And your job is to help the spirits make their final wishes come true type of thing so that they feel okay to let go of their living life and move on to whatever comes next. Um, And so uh, 
you your your overall kind of overarching quests will be like for example i was um playing and the character who was trying to cross over was this snake and they were very into spirituality and plants and so they wanted their dream was to have built a house that had a lot of plants and a garden in it and then also they had lost this necklace at their old house and they wanted to get it back and so you kind of set sail to these places in order to build the house or in order to get the necklace and as you're waiting however long it takes to get to that place, you're also sustaining on this boat. Okay. So you have, um, like you build a garden on the boat, you plant the seeds, you water the garden, you grow the vegetables, and then you harvest it and you go down to the kitchen and you cook the vegetables and you make yourself a meal mm, okay. or you make whoever a meal. Right. And there will be different people living on this boat all the time, depending on who you are currently ferrying to. As a once you've kind of completed their objectives, they move on or? Totally. Yeah. So it's kind of like once they their objectives are met then their spirit is at rest okay. enough to be able to move on uh and then you'll move on to ferrying somebody else's spirit right so is it one at a time or do you have multiple people going on at once that's or? a great question um in the demo that i was playing it was just one okay. but i do have a feeling that it could be multiples because sure. you start off with a very small boat and by by the point in the game where I was at, you had quite a large boat. Okay. Um, and you stop off at different places and you get off the boat and you do tasks and then you get back on and you interact with people on land to get seeds or to get building materials or whatever it may be. Um, and then there's people who, it seems like there's people who live on the boat all right. the time. Um, that being said, none of the people are people. Uh, it's very, it's like a, a beautiful and cute art. Uh, it's kind of like a 2D cartoon style of drawing sure. with kind of bright colors and, um, and I want to say Studio Ghibli vibes. I feel like maybe the dev said that to me because I have yeah. never watched Studio Ghibli, so I don't know, but I was like, oh yeah, Not that makes one. sense. I don't think so. Wow. But I do because I do all the cosplay photos and You've stuff, I do it, yeah. know what they're referencing. Right. And I definitely was like, oh yeah, that makes sense to me. Right. But one of the characters is this beautiful deer. And I could just stare at that deer all day. Like, that's something, if I had a drawing of it, I would put it on the wall. Like, it was just really lovely. Um, And then another character is this giant toad. And when he talks, his, like, toad pouch thing expands. And anybody who knows anything about toads, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then you also... So it's a single-player game. Um and you have a cat who's like your sidekick and kind of sure. follows you around. But at any time, if you want it to be a two player game, you can plug a controller uh, in no and the cat becomes a playable character. Just plug and it so, in. Yeah. Plug that controller. Yeah. Just plug it in With via the, wire. the air. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So the like, uh, art director was yeah. playing with me and she was playing as the cat. And so, that so can was the great. cat do all of the same things that the person can yeah. do? Or at one point I was like, how come I'm not able to water this garden as she, as the cat is watering the garden. Mm. She was like, Oh, it's cause you need, you're outside the building. You need to go into it. Um, and so that like, as a 
trying to figure out how to be a gamer type person, it was really helpful to have somebody there like showing me all the possibilities right. of what you can do. Uh, so that I like, I was like, Oh, you can double jump and fly off of these things. Like, Oh, hmm. that's handy. Um, and then your character also, well, both characters have this light orb thing, uh, that will, uh, have different functions. Right. Uh, which was pretty interesting. But I really liked the way it was set up because your overarching like quest, say, is whatever you're trying to do for the spirit that you're sure. carrying. But then while you're going from point A to point B, you have all these like mini things that are happening. So you're growing your garden, you're fishing, you're cooking. But then also there's mini games that happen. So like one of them is um, there will be a storm and lightning. And because you've got this orb thing, it kind of acts as a lightning rod. Right. So you have to like go and try to get under where the lightning's going to strike. You and the cat are both doing this. Uh, and it's like this mini game within the game, like the whole entire time. I expected it to be very like chill and serene and spiritual. And then it turned into this thing where a half hour had gone by and I was just so engaged and having <laughs> so much fun that I was like, Oh my God, I'm supposed to interview you. And she was like, uh, you've got to move on. And I was like, Oh no. And I managed to interview somebody else, but, um, it was, she was faring you away from that. She game. was, yeah. she was like, see you later spirit. <laughs> I filled, I, I've completed your objectives. Yeah, now get out of here. Now get out of here. Uh, yeah, so uh, that is definitely a top three game for me. That's pretty cool. And yeah. it's coming to Xbox Game Pass, I hear. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm stoked on that. Is that a next year game? Yeah, so they were hoping to launch it next spring, but there's another game that's coming out in March, and they said that they don't want to hurt that game's chances. And so they're. That, that game being the. That game being Animal Crossing. <laughs> Uh, so they don't want to uh, Never heard of delve it. into that market too much. So they're going to hold off That's a little probably bit. probably a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Right? They're making smart choices. That is a very smart choice. Yeah. Except why don't they release it now so you can get your time in before Animal Crossing. Well, it's probably not ready yet. They want it to be perfect. They don't want to release a crappy game. That's that's a good idea. Yeah. And well, and it was interesting too, because he was talking about how, which you'll hear on the podcast, but he was talking about how like it, it kind of forces people to deal with death things. And it's a game that you can play with your family. So it opens these conversations and a lot of the people, People who were developing it, the characters are based off of people in their lives yeah. and experiences they've had. Yeah. Um, so it just feels like a really wholesome, good thing to exist in the world. Totally. And somehow it's super fun and engaging yeah. at the same time. So I think they've knocked it out of the park. That's sick. It looks yeah. really cool. It really yeah. did. Uh, I remember the, I think it debuted or it, the world premiere was during the Xbox E3 presentation back in June. And that one oh, absolutely okay. stood out for me as well. Yeah. That it looked. And, and I mean, I immediately thought of you once watching the trailer because the art style is very much up your alley. Yeah. And everything like that. So I'm glad that you got to play it and I'm glad that you enjoyed it as much as you did. Totally. Yeah. I didn't expect to enjoy it as totally. much as I did. Uh, we are getting pretty long, so I want yeah. to. There's still a number of additional bang, bang, games bang. we need to let's talk about. So let's go lightning round. Uh, Dauntless. Yeah, so Dauntless is back at. Uh, at PAX West this year. Uh, we saw it a little bit last year. Last year it was still just in beta and just on PC. It has since in the last couple of months launched on Xbox One and PS4 and they were here at PAX to show off the upcoming Switch version of the game. 
Which I'm so stoked for. Switch makes so much sense to me. Totally, totally. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I really, I, I've only played this game for a few hours on Xbox and have really enjoyed my time with it so far. It kind of captured me in a way that Monster Hunter, which it's it's kind of like a light, Monster Hunter light type game. It captured me in a way that Monster Hunter never really did. Uh, but part and part of what makes this game so cool is it's free to play so anyone can jump in see if they like it uh, we talked to ian one of the producers on the game uh from phoenix labs uh who apparently phoenix labs is up in vancouver where we are as well but uh you know he t- talked about them being very strictly against pay to win uh much of what you can purchase is just things like consumables there is also something called a hunt pass which is similar to what like a battle pass would be in uh something like Fortnite or in PUBG or something like that you can more quickly uh, get the rewards, which is mostly cosmetics and some consumable stuff. Uh, but yeah, we played on, uh, and part of what's cool too, of course, uh, it's the, really the first game that launched with crossplay. So the day that the game hit PS4, the day that the game hit Xbox One, and the day that the game hits Switch, it will be crossplay compatible. And not only are you playing with players from other uh, platforms, it is cross progression as well. So, you know, they gave an example like you can take your Switch to work and play the game on your lunch break and then you can, when you get home, you can pick it back up on your PC or your your other console or whatever, which I think is just freaking phenomenal. Um yeah, we played a match with a couple of the producers, one of them being uh, Ian from the booth there. Uh, we jumped into a, a four-player hunt. Uh, we were hunting, uh, I can't remember the type of beast, which they call behemoths. Uh, but there's like tons of different ones. He actually said that he lost count because they are adding them very, very frequently. And I don't know, the game's smooth. The game's a lot of fun. Uh, it played pretty well on the Switch. Uh, it's not finished yet. And naturally, it didn't look as good as it would on something like a PS4 Pro or an Xbox One X, which is where I have played it before. Uh, but it didn't look bad by any means, and it played very, very well with those controls as well. Uh, what did you think of it? I thought it was great. I played it once with you a little bit, and it was fun then. Um, I was... I actually said to you, like, I'm just going to watch you play this game because there's too many people. It's too much pressure. You, like, have to play on a team. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to do it. Um, and then was persuaded to do it. And it was totally doable, totally manageable. Ian was so lovely. He made me feel so not like <laughs> I was failing at gaming. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, I quite enjoyed it. I felt like I could get in there. I felt like I was being a helpful part of the team. Sure. Um, I, I really like, like in Dauntless overall, not just in this battle. Um, I like the kind of, uh, character dressing. Oh my gosh. Where are my words? You know, when customization. you get to, yeah, the customization. Sure. I really like that. Which is aspect. A, there's a heavy aspect That's a in this huge game. Yeah. Part of this game is like you go out to, f- to kill the behemoth so that you can get different parts so that you yeah. can customize your outfit. Like that's a huge part of the sure. premise. Um, and I'm definitely into that. I'm super stoked about the cross play yeah. part of it. And mostly I'm stoked for that because it means that it's coming true. Like this is happening. Right. 
crossplay is happening and it is going to be an expectation. Mm-hmm. And I am stoked for what that means for all the games that we can play. Totally, yeah. Especially because we live in the same household. It's not often that, you know, there's something right. that we're not going to have two TVs. We're not no. going to have two Xboxes. So unless it has split screen, we might not have yeah. the opportunity to play it together. But if it's on Switch and if it's on Xbox, yeah. then we can literally sit there and play it together. Yeah, and not even cool. just you and I, but we can have somebody over to the house sure. and you can play with them. Mm-hmm. Like, it just feels like so many possibilities. Mm-hmm. I could go on and on, but let's move on to the next <laughs> it was game. A lot of, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And it really, you know, I, I played for a few times over about a week after the launch on Xbox and then fell into something else. But it definitely piqued my interest again, and I can't wait to get back mm-hmm. into it. Mm-hmm. Uh Again, really quickly, we also played a. I played without you to start, and then I was super into it, so I brought you back to the booth once we met back up. But mm-hmm. there's a game uh, coming out called uh, Windjammers Two. Uh, Windjammers was a remake of a Neo Geo game, I believe, from like the very early '90s. Uh, it came out on PC and Switch last year or two years ago. It's like a competitive frisbee, very arcadey, competitive like frisbee golf game. It feels very it's like frisbee tennis almost. Frisbee, yeah. It yeah. feels very air hockey-ish. Uh, oh my god, it felt so air hockey-ish. Like, you, like it hits fr- the yeah. side and then it goes super fast yeah. in the other direction. Um, but in very like comic booky art style, mm-hmm. uh, a number of different like, kind of over-the-top characters and mm-hmm. really there, there's not really stats aside from speed and power. So it's kind of, there'll, there'll easy be a mix. Easy to choose. Very easy to choose. It's just kind of a mix of speed and power. And, and very, the rounds are very fast. Yeah, like the whole, you can probably play a match in five minutes minutes yeah uh, but it was a blast like i feel like if there was not a line of people behind us we could have just played and played and played and played totally uh and it's just super fun and very simple controls very easy to get into uh as far as i know it's set for release next year uh sometime potentially late this year uh but yeah i i, I can't I, I don't know how different it is from wind jammers the the remake of, uh from a couple of years back but uh it's definitely something i'm gonna look into when it comes out and probably look into the first game before then uh yeah it was a lot of fun yeah uh i went and i talked to the people for the game stranded sales which is another kind of like farming and building and fishing type Think you've of got game. a type I think I might have, well, you know what I think it is? Cause it's funny, not all of these games do grab me, but I think because Stardew was so my game that I just feel like anything that kind of has that vibe is going to be my jam. You know what I mean? Anyways, so this game is about a person who goes out on a boat with their dad, I believe it is, and then their dad gets injured and they end up shipwrecked and then uh, they have to find their crew and their dad and all this business. But in the meantime, um, there's like five islands that make up the world and you meet different characters who teach you how to plant and how to fish and how to do all the things. And then you plant your farm and you grow your stuff and you have to plan ahead with what you're growing uh, so that you can go and cook. And then the cooking element, I really liked. That's like not really... Oh, that, I guess it is kind of a thing in Stardew. But this felt more like um, Zelda. Okay, yeah. The last one. Yeah. Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild, yeah. And so my favorite part of that game was when you got to go to the cooking station and you go to cook and it's like, whatever the song is, and you're just watching it all fry up. Um, 
anyways, in this game, you grow your vegetables or you do your fishing or whatever. And then when you get to the cooking station, there's all these mystery recipes there. And you have to mix and match the different ingredients that you have to figure out which ones go together to make up a recipe. And so the first time you make something, if there's three or four ingredients in it, it could take a really long time. um, Because you have to keep going back and forth figuring out which one is which and where it goes. But once you have figured that out, then that recipe is saved and when you go to cook it it just autofills from your um, supplies that you have so that was really handy but you have to like plan ahead you have to make food for when you're going into the cave so that you can fight the pirates and you know when you lose energy you're going to die in there sure right um, so some of like going into the cave and fighting the things and like I remember in Stardew having to plan and make <laughs> sure I had food so that I could go and do that so I could mine the things um, so that all felt I don't know very similar and and i liked it um the the again the art style was very cartoony and bubbly and and the colors were bright the water did this thing where you you know when you see the reflection of water on the bottom right they did that in all the like shallow water and i just loved that detail so much it was so striking the fishing was cool they made it so that if you're like me and you just button mash you can still be successful it just takes more energy and is less full of finesse right um but also if you learn that you can hit the button at the right time when the water's rippling in the right way then you're going to be able to reel that fish in faster and but using less energy so that was kind of little details like that where like they've made it accessible to everyone but also there's a way to get really good at it i quite like get good Get good. Get good. And then at the same booth, I'm sorry, I don't remember the name of the booth. There was also a game called Sparklight. It was Merge Games. Which I apparently did not write any notes on today. Um, so Sparklight was basically, yeah, it was Merge Games. Good job. What's that? It was procedural. Procedurally generated. It was procedurally generated. So it's this world where you're on some sort of ship at the beginning and then you're not anymore. And there's like a floating islands in the sky type of situation. And you go from there on a flying boat down to the ground below. And then you have to like get spark lights, which are basically the money but it comes from plants and it comes from killing enemies and stuff like that. And so you each, it's made so that each kind of uh, area is set and, or each page, I guess, of the map is set uh, and they've drawn each one of those, but you don't know what's going to be on the next Mm, side when you leave that screen. And so that's the procedurally generated part of it, which is a term that I learned about today. Um, and so it was, which made it really interesting because I kept dying, which is fine. It's not that it was really hard. I just didn't know what I was doing. And so I kept dying. And every time that I came back, I would have all the same stuff that I sure. had already earned. Like I wouldn't lose all my stuff, but I wouldn't be going back in to play the same path 40 mm, different right. times. I would go in and then the next screen would be a different screen with different monsters or different setup than I had previously experienced. Right. So it made it feel like it was going to be very evergreen. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And the characters were, it was like pixel art, but it was kind of they, he said, he described it, Lucas, one of the people who um, runs the company, uh, which is like red 
blue gaming or something. Um, He said that they kind of designed, if they had to, if they were going to make a game and this was their one shot to make a game, they were going to make the game that they had wished they could always make kind of thing. And so it was really cool to see, like, this is the thing that they are most passionate about. This was the most important thing to them right. they could create. Sure. And it's kind of based on, they obviously grew up in the 90s, and it's like kind of 90s style, but with a modern kind of twist. Right. Uh, the mechanics are modern, and uh, they didn't strictly stick to the 90s style pixel yeah. art. They did their own thing with it. So... Uh, it, it was super neat, and I'm interested to see how that one turns out. That sounds really neat. Yeah. Man, you sure have a type, though. That one was very different. That one's different. Yeah. But all of the other games you talked about are very... You know what? I'm going to do me. I'm yeah, no, it's cool. I'm yeah, here. It's a... And it's crazy because I totally do have a type, yeah. and all of these well, games all... feel so different. But, yeah, I was just going to say, like, they they feel like they're similar in their roots, but they all, you know, look completely yeah. different from each other and well, feel completely different from each other. And it's interesting when I'm describing them, like I'm all like, Oh, it's this kind of art or that sure. kind of, and it's like, it's, it's beautiful. They're, they've all yeah, been It's beautiful. very hard to do it justice via audio. Totally. Yeah. Like, cause there's such a visual feast. Sure. They're all so different totally. from each other. Anyways, there will be links to things and you can go and find them, I'm sure. Uh, The last thing that I played, uh, it was a game I did not realize was out already, uh, but I was very excited for it once I saw it over at the Annapurna Interactive booth. Uh, It's a game called Telling Lies, which was announced sometime last year, and it's a follow-up to a game from a few years ago. It's like an an interactive FMV narrative game called Her Story, uh, which was written by a guy named Sam Barlow. And he also wrote and directed this new game, uh, Telling Lies, which is similar in its uh, presentation. You're uh, essentially searching uh, searching like a search engine. You're like an FBI agent in this one, trying to essentially get to the bottom of uh, this kind of storyline between these four people. And you can kind of search terms that that match with the subtitles of video clips that are popping up. And uh, you're trying to basically unravel this story by searching for the right terms and, and figuring out how things link together. Because uh, at e- at any given time, you know these these characters might be interacting with each other via a FaceTime call or something like that but you are only at any point getting one side of the conversation. So you got to figure out what conversations are happening with who and when and which pieces of those are true and how they all link up and everything like that. Uh, interface wise, it felt like a, it definitely felt like an evolution of what you saw in her story a few years ago. Uh, you know, I remember playing her story and having like a physical written notepad, writing down notes of things that I was needing to do or wanting to look more into. Uh, but in this one, you're kind of less limited to an application and it emulates like a whole computer operating system. So everything from like, you can play, jump in and play solitaire to there's a notes application that you can open and take the notes within the game itself rather than needing to do it separately. That's Uh, interesting. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah, totally. And it's, yeah, it's like, I mean, her story was really one character that you were kind of following through maybe two. It's been a while. I don't quite remember, but you're, you're, there's a bunch of characters in this game, but there's, it, it follows four main characters 
characters and it's got a pretty like pretty high like pretty big cast for uh such a small independent game as well so you'll see like the main characters are played by people like logan marshall green who's from things like upgrade and the invitation but i really remember him as uh as uh, troy from the oc um <laughs> uh alexandra ship uh emma uh sorry uh carrie bichet from halt and catch fire and scrubs uh and also angela seraphian i can't pronounce her last name but she uh you'll recognize her from westworld but the game is the game is really cool it was uh i i didn't spend get to spend that much time with it um at the booth itself but it was bit you know it's it's on ios right now it's on pc right now i think it's a game i i played her story a lot on the ipad uh which uh it's really they're really a game that you need a keyboard for so i would probably stick to the pc version unless you're on an ipad that has a keyboard uh attachment or you're using a bluetooth keyboard or something like that just because you are typing a lot in the game because a lot of it is through search terms and again the notes that you're taking in this one and everything like that but uh her story is worth looking at if you've never played it before and uh telling lies looks absolutely sick too and it's definitely probably going to be one of the first things i download when i get home did you did you play her story no, no, you probably no. should. I think I watched you play a little, a little bit, bit of it, yeah. and it definitely piqued my interest. Yeah, but I never did get it. Yeah, there. that's another day of packs. That is. That well, is. we also played Sayonara Wild Hearts oh, very, right. very yeah. briefly. It was very like '80s neon, like line drawing type of. I, I don't even know how to describe it. And then it changed its art style partway through. And Very frequently. <laughs> you're like flying through the air on like a skateboard or a motorcycle or whatever and trying to hit all these hearts. And it was so effing fun. Yeah, it was really um, cool. So I definitely want to grab that one. and uh, Which I don't think is out yet, but... I think they were just showing it off here, but mm. it looked very, very cool. I believe it's only on Switch and PC, uh, but it was really, really neat. That one's another Annapurna uh, published title, mm. which we checked out. Uh, there's kind of a cool offsite put on by Red Bull, which is called Red Bull Challenge Mode. Uh, they have a bunch of games that they're showing off down there. Some it's Red Bull. Tetris themed Yeah, they're, in ce- there. they're celebrating the 35th anniversary of Tetris as well. And so they have a number of different versions, right from the, like, the NES copies to Tetris effect uh and whatever the new battle royal tetras was which you seemed really interested in yeah yeah that looks super cool <laughs> yeah it did look super and neat. the like vr tetras thing that looks super rad yeah it did just kind of the atmosphere there's around there's too many games there's there are too, too many, many games, games. There that's are too what's many games. happening yeah I mean, we've talked about a lot of games today, and I feel like almost every one of them I want to put more time into. Uh, we've still got another day of packs. So we're going to be hitting up the show floor again tomorrow. Uh, you will not hear another wrap-up podcast from us tomorrow because we need to drive back to Canada after the show and then go back to our real lives, unfortunately. But uh, I would stay tuned on the podcast feed for Xbox Game Passengers. Like I said, next uh, sometime in the next week, you're going to see a compilation of all the developer interviews we we did in audio form uh and i also am going to try to get some of those up on geekscape.net uh as a few written articles as well for some of the bigger interviews that we had um yeah pax has been great i again it's it's a t- it, depending on the types of conventions you go to it's a totally different feeling and i just love like the whole thing just feels like a celebration of gaming and there's again a lot of the stuff even if you wanted to buy it you couldn't because it's not out yet uh you know a lot of these developers are asking you hey just wishlist this on steam so you can keep up to date with the game and see when it comes out and all that sort of thing um yeah we've we've played a lot of great titles and i can't wait to play some more 
Yeah, me too. There's too many. I don't think I'll be able to get everything in that I want to get in. But. It's which is crazy because we like we've been wandering on that show floor for sixteen to twenty hours at this point, and yeah. there's still like we're still walking around the corner. We're, we're you'll walk around a corner and be like, oh, what is that? That looks amazing. Yeah, and there's so many surprises still to be had. So I'm really looking forward to getting back to that show floor tomorrow. Uh, in the next few days, you'll see a top article from us as well where we list our favorite games or favorite experiences from PAX West. And uh, yeah, video games. Video games. Video games. Man, what a beautiful art. <laughs> Thank you for coming to this convention. Thank you for also coming to this oh, convention no with me. Thank you for chatting about video games with me. I'm happy to. Thanks for <laughs> introducing me to video games. Oh, for sure. Anytime. I will introduce you to video games anytime. <laughs> Uh, and thank you for joining us. Uh, again, we know these are not the traditional episodes that you're looking for. Uh, you know, these are just little bonus episodes. Uh, they're not so little, but <laughs> they're bonus episodes. It's not changing the schedule of the uh, show that's coming out. In just a couple of days, you're going to see a new episode about Gears of War Ultimate Edition. And then we'll be back to our every two weeks, a new randomly selected game from Microsoft Game Pass service. And uh, we can't wait to you know we've recorded a bunch of episodes ahead and we can't wait for you to hear what is coming next uh you know if you are wanting to see more of our PAX coverage, be sure to head to geekscape.net. Uh, you can head to xboxgamepassengers.com to see all of the episodes of the show that we've released so far. Uh, and if you like what you've heard, you know, share it with a friend. That's all I ask. And hit that bell. Hit that. It's no bell. Oh, no I thought bell. we were it's supposed to say YouTube. hit that bell. Uh, no. Oh, well, well Hit the thumbs up and the <laughs> sharing and the liking and all the things. There you, you go. Know, be supportive. You can follow us at XGP Podcast on Twitter. Uh, I'm also at D. Cranavelt on Twitter. And uh, yeah, we will see you soon with another episode of Xbox Game Passengers. And thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.